Welcome to the Nostalgia Test Podcast, the show where two longtime friends put their mainstream pop culture past to the ultimate test, the Nostalgia Test. I'm Dan Dissinger, and I'm here in L.A., and I'm with my friend Manny Coelho, who's over there in New York. What's up, Manny? What's going on? What's up? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. You got your notes? First of all, I have what I think is a thesis, a masterful amount of. I have every single line by the two people that were big in his life. Let's go. Let's just get into it. For the first episode we did, we went back and (laughs) we visited the 1988 quote unquote rom com cocktail starring Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue. Uh, this is from the Wikipedia. Cocktail is a 1988 American romantic comedy drama film directed by Roger Donaldson and written by Haywood Gould, whose screenplay was based on his book of the same name. The film tells the story of a young New York City business student, Brian Flanagan, who takes up bartending in order to make ends meet. The film stars Tom Cruise, Brian Brown, and Elizabeth Shue. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first on a little bit. Okay. Go Just ahead. to kind of my background, why why we chose this out. Yeah. Because this is my all-time favorite. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. This, to me, is the perfect nostalgia test, right? <laughs> because I don't know why I like this movie so much, okay? First of all, when we talked about doing this, I was like, yes. How many times have we talked about Cocktail? I remember I forced you to watch this movie. Hi, everybody. Oh, you're recording. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm over. That's okay. (laughs) Obviously, this is a weird cut, but we have to re-record this uh, portion of the pod. So we had some technical difficulties, bandwidth problems. You know, typical technology in 2020. Where are my flying cars? Where where are my flying flying cars? Where are my hoverboards? Not the dumb one. First of all, hold on. That's not a hoverboard. You have wheels, bro. First of all, you don't need uh, flying cars because... Just look how bad this technology is with bandwidth. Imagine a car that's in the air that has a bad problem. It's going to fall and hit another car that's in the ground. There's more accidents over that. You know, we don't want flying cars. Unless somehow that car can float when it's not working, which is not possible. If the car is not working, it doesn't float anymore. It's going to cause more accidents. We don't need it. We don't okay, need so it. can we just have maglev at least then? <laughs> We don't need flying cars. Humans can't handle bandwidth, and you're talking about. <laughs> oh my cars. God! All right, people, and just one other thing: if it has wheels, it's not a hoverboard. Okay, so stop saying that that's a hoverboard. That's not hovering. That's wheeling. It's basically a unicycle. Like, oh, I want to go on a hoverboard. That's not. A, it's not hovering. It's just a skateboard that's the other way and has power now. You yeah. need power. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. yeah. All right, All right, cocktail, so right? Cocktail. <laughs> We're coming back to cocktail. We're uh, coming back to cocktail. I, no. I, you know what? You know what's the best part about this, Dan? <laughs> is that you don't like it, and I'm so happy we get to talk about it again. I literally thought about it. I was like, maybe we should just re-record the whole episode, but then I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't go through this again. <laughs> No, but, um, it's fine. But I can't. I'm so happy we get to do it again. Yeah, I mean, this section is fun to talk about. So, I mean, yeah. the, look, the movie's fun to talk about. Absolutely. It's, absolutely. it's a fun movie. 80s. 80s yeah. rom-com. It's not a rom-com. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. Just to reiterate my experience with the movie, I remember watching it at your house. I was in your basement. You said, you have to watch Cocktail. I'm like, all right, obviously, I'm a degenerate. I have nothing else to do. Let's watch Cocktail. <laughs> and I put the movie on. 
I watched it. It then ended. The sun had come up at that point. I got into my car and went to work at Walgreens. That's my experience with cocktail. It was crazy and weird. And then I remember seeing bits and pieces of it every now and then. You know, we talked about it. We'd always quote from it and stuff like that. But then after that, I never really watched it until this moment again. It's so weird to kind of go back to it. But uh, my experience, obviously, you already know it, but nobody else knows it, is that I've watched this probably more than a handful of times, more than I should watch this movie. You would think that this is, you know, Casablanca. I don't know why. What got me into it? I'm sure it was my mom. She was a big Tom Cruise fan back then. This movie's great. I hate the rating. It's a 5% Rotten Tomato rating, which is terrible because who's watching it then? You need to watch it. Okay, don't give it a 5% rating. That's bullshit. 5% is for like a C-plus movie. This is at least a B-plus 80s movie and needs to be more than 5%. You know, Glitter probably has more than 5%. Glitter, okay? I mean, 5% is low. Maybe we should agree with the Google users somehow gave it an 85% rating. All right. Um, <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think that's a little too high, but that's, if you want to go, that's fine. But like, I'm going to give it an 85. I like it. I like it. I would give it 100. No, 99, maybe. No. 99 think, based on 80s movies, but not I think definitely movies. Tom Cruise takes this movie, he puts it on his you know, very little back, gets it across the finish line. Without him, this movie is terrifying. I mean, this movie would never be made if it wasn't for him. This movie was made for him. They're like, oh, how do we make this screenplay? And who's going to start it? And they're like, oh, Tom Cruise. Oh, he plays himself. Wasn't this movie after Top Gun? Top Gun. Oh, yes, it was. Damn. Which is crazy to me because yes, Top was. Gun is such a great movie. Movie. It's huge. This looks like a movie that should have came is out. Is it though? Is Top Gun a great movie? I guess we'll have to we, come to that. We need. That's a test. That's a that's, test. That's we're gonna, gonna have be to another test because again, we're thinking it is. When was the last time you actually sat down and watched the whole oh, thing? Dear God. Top Gun instead of just know. saying Need for Speed or you know you lost yeah. that loving feeling, quoting all the like what everybody else quotes yeah. and watching men play volleyball together naked. Yeah. We may not like it. And this is wrong that I'm saying that because I love Tom Cruise, so it doesn't matter. I'm sure I'm going to like it. But yeah. let's get talking about the okay, rom-com. Which okay, is the rom-com. 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 And it was, I mean, Tom Cruise made literally garbage writing unbelievable in this movie. I mean, the writing is terrible. The movie is based on a novel, which I am so surprised at. To this day, I am still thinking like, this was a book. That scares me a lot. I think, to me, this movie opens up with one of the most incomprehensible scenes of Amazing. all time. You're right into the 80s with the title track. Sure. Neon, Neon, 80s music playing, Greyhound buses being flagged down by you don't know what. Why are they no pulling idea. over the bus? My question is this. Why don't they just drive him to the city? They've driven this far away, getting him onto a Greyhound bus. How far? Where was he when he got onto the bus? I don't and, know. And first of all, you're in the Navy or in the Army, and you could just pull over a bus anytime you want. And there was open seat? I guess he had a ticket, but that's not how buses work. No, he didn't work. have it. Or maybe he missed the bus. <laughs> he probably missed the bus because he was a degenerate. So he probably but, missed the bus because he, he was drunk and he didn't make it, you know. Yeah, but you're right. So, then just let them drive you to the city. Where are you going? And then they're all standing there, like, staring at the bus. Did you see the one friend? The one friend hits the bus? <laughs> yeah. Slaps the bus in the what butt? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like, go get him, bus. Wow! <laughs> like, what are you doing? If I was that bus driver, I'd be so scared. We're getting high. 
hijacked. What are you doing? You can only get away with that in an 80s movie. Like, pull over a bus, cut right in front of them. That bus should have ran straight through them, and the movie should have been 10 seconds long, and then they should die. So then, then it opens up right away to showing you what this movie's about. It's about a man who wants to make it yes. big in New York City. Yeah. You get the books that he's reading, mm -hmm. which is like fast track to making money, make a million, how to make a million. This is a movie in the 80s, probably around the same times that like, you know, all the stockbroking movies come around. Oh, yeah. Every, everything was just about making money, business, yeah. business, business, business. Even Absolutely. though it's supposed to be a rom-com, and he's looking at the city with the Twin Towers, which, oh. which is a crazy scene to watch. Yeah. He holds a baby in his hand, and he's, he's like, what? we're going to make it, kid. We're yeah. going to make it, but that was some foreshadowing right there. You want to talk about oh. some complex shit, man. Foreshadowing. There was a lot. This is great writing. <laughs> oh, this is great. The first... The first two minutes of that movie told you the whole story of what that movie was going to be about millionaires and businessmen versus the guy who's struggling. You know, yeah. there was even this one scene who it lasted two seconds. There's a dog walker with 10, mm -hmm. 20 dogs, obviously making a lot of money all in one yes. shot. He's walking these dogs. He's trained them. They're walking in unison. It's calm. And then the next shot is a man struggling to hold one dog and picking up the dog shit yeah. right there. Big comparison of what this movie is going to be about. Yeah. The rich people and the struggling working man. If you don't watch the rest of the movie, you wouldn't understand why that shot was in the movie. <laughs> Tells you the story right there. And then the baby. Like the all baby. that. We could just end the, yeah. we could end the movie right Yeah, there. just give Tom There's Cruise baby. This baby, he wants to make it big and he's going to work hard to do it. And <laughs> the baby's going to screw some things up. Here we go. <laughs> but I just want to say, like, Manhattan around the late 80s and 90s, horrible. Gross. Horrible. And where did they end up? Definitely Long Island City. No, that was Long Island City before Long Island City was Long Island City of what you it is today. Yeah. I was looking at the pictures and I was like, oh, my God, that doesn't look like anything or what it looks like now. But it was no. like crap. Crap. <laughs> so, so basically his uncle, in which he went to his bar to take advice from, has a bar in the worst part of Queens at the time, yeah. it seemed. Yeah, you know? one of the worst parts of Queens. It was so uninhabitable that according to my uh, mentor at St. John's, Dr. Ganter, shout out to Dr. Ganter, when he lived there, he said there was so little people that lived there that there wasn't even alternate side of the street parking. Can you imagine that? No. No one's there, so don't worry about like changing your car on the other side of the street. Wow. That, that's how little anyone cared about Long Island City. So he's in Long Island City. He's getting advice from his uncle. I guess his parents are dead. Everyone that he knows is dead. I mean, he's an orphan, basically. But yeah. But dude, there was two people in this mm -hmm. that gave him advice. And it was <laughs> Uncle Pat and Coglin. Douglas Coglin. But Uncle, Uncle Pat Coughlin. gets like short chain. You might as well just give it Uncle Pat the finger. And thanks, Uncle Pat. And then 50 minutes later, come back and say, oh, you were right. The movie could have ended by him listening to just Uncle Pat. I'm just going to say a couple quotes that Uncle Pat said. Most things in life, good or bad, just kind of happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then he says, big advice. You don't get rich giving things away. So on the house at a bar. Never. Uncle Pat does not do that. He even tells a story about the Mets winning. 1986, yeah. Yeah, the 1986. And one of his clients that go there all the time says, drinks around the house and he punched him in the face. <laughs> Pat punched this guy in the face. So he does not like giving money away. And he says, yeah. outwork, outthink, and outmaneuver. And then like Tom's character, Brian Flanagan says, 
you know, but you want to have fun. He's like, you want fun? Go play at the beach. Um, <laughs> Uncle Pat is tough. He's Yo. been through it all. And, yeah. you know, he still has that bar. He's got money. He has But money. maybe he is a millionaire. That guy might be putting enough money away where he might be a multimillionaire, but he doesn't look like a millionaire. And Tom we, Cruise wants to look like a millionaire, but not actually be one. And see, that's a problem. This is true because if we fast forward to the end of the movie, Tom gets a, a loan from who? From Pat, Uncle Pat. Uncle Pat. So you might be right. Dude, Uncle, Uncle Pat, Pat is rolling helps. in money. Like, there's Uncle no Pat way. Uncle Pat him start his dynasty, his franchise. Yeah, he helped him. Not anybody else. He Nobody helped him. Else. Why? Because Uncle Pat is a multi-millionaire. And you, we don't even know it. He lives in Long Island City. It's a hellhole. His bar is... Rusty I mean, pipes. I, but he put every penny away. Never gave a damn thing away. And there he is. He's like, you know, Tom Cruise comes up to him at the end. Needs a loan. Uncle Pat's like, yeah, yeah. Like, because yeah. he's a millionaire. But see, this is the thing. Like, after that, Tom Cruise, like, has to go on a bunch of job interviews now. Oh, the greatest montage. Basically a statement. Everyone needs to go to college. Because he comes <laughs> out of, there's two things you learn in this montage. The United States t- treats all their vets like shit. And Tom Cruise, Tom, Cruise, Tom Cruise plays yet another vet. And I don't know if Born on the 4th of July was before or after this movie. Mm. Um, I, you can look it up right now. I'll look it up right but now. He plays a vet, but he plays a whole different type of vet. And he comes back. He tries to go get these jobs. And the montage is just job interview after job interview is saying, you're not qualified and you need to go to college. There, this movie must have been sponsored or financed by some sort of college or university because <laughs> there was three-minute montage about how people weren't taking it because you needed to go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so Born on yeah. the 4th of July, 1989, Cocktail 1988. Okay. All right. So they realized after seeing how great he was at playing a vet that he could play. Yeah. Let's just put him in a good movie. (laughs) But but the thing about this is that time is a mystery to me in this movie. And this, this montage right away tells me why. Well, not even here. The bus ride. How long does it take to get to wherever they are to New York, right? So Very long. Very long. Because the friends would have just driven him if it wasn't... But everyone looks like great on the bus, too. He goes on all these interviews in one day? Or like, it seems like one day, right? It reminded me of Muppets Take Manhattan. Because like in Muppets... (laughs) Muppets take Manhattan. They're trying to sell a musical to a bunch of people. They're Muppets. There are monsters in the world. And then they end up at a Greek diner. And then Kermit gets a job at this diner. Yeah, well. Brian Flanagan does the same thing and then ends up at a bar. And it looks like it's a Friday's, Dan. <laughs> it's is, all, it, is it, it a TGI at Friday's? You it, believe I, it is? 100%. Brilliant. The waitresses I mean, are dressed like Friday's. Yeah. Everything in there looks, I guess, like Friday's. The awning looks like Friday's. <laughs> but where was the where was the lettering? They took it out just for the movie? I guess TGI Friday's, they didn't want to be associated with it. <laughs> All right. Story. See, here's the thing. Then is this the story of the TGI Fridays franchise? Holy shit. It might be because his plan in the whole movie is to start Flanagan's, which is a bar pub that is open in malls. It's the story of Fridays. I mean, right? It's gotta be. Maybe that's what the movie is about. Maybe that's what the book is about. I mean, like this is a book, not just about this dope. It's about the franchising 
of TGI Fridays. And maybe we got it wrong. Maybe that's the problem. It's trying to be one thing when really it's about TGI Friday. It's Any the story of the guy who started TGI Friday. Right. That's what that's I mean. True. It really that's that's what what it is. It is. 100%. This might be the biography <laughs> this is- <laughs> of the owner of TGI Friday. Because what happens? He goes in there, he meets Coglin for the first time. He's making a gross drink with a raw egg in it. Uh, ah, red eye. Why? The 80s, there's something about dudes eating raw eggs. I don't know what it is. It worked you know. with Rocky, bro. It worked with Rocky and Coglin needed to be Rocky. Rocky. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess. But like, <laughs> but he says... What did he say? He says something about this being the most busy saloon on the Upper East Side. Oh, the Upper East Side is the saloon capital of the of the city or of the world, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know what the word saloon means. It means nothing to me. No one I uses mean- that word <laughs> in New York. <laughs> Even in the 80s, I think it was called a bar. For a moment, he thought he was in a, in a Western movie. Let's call it a saloon, not a pub, not a bar, but a saloon. It's fancier. Yeah, saloon. oh yeah. So fancy. That, that place was super fancy. I mean, did you hear the names of those drinks? I mean, when he actually got a job with no experience, <laughs> he's never bartended in his entire life. And he goes, yeah, come on. It, it was that he worked in the first night, a Friday night or a Saturday night at what? The busiest <laughs> night ever. And people want dinglings. <laughs> Dude, I've never ordered a drink like that. Usually you order a drink, it's all got the ingredients in it. What I thought was funny is that they were foreshadowing mixologies and like and speakeasies. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that didn't exist in the 80s. But yet, this was a mixology bar. You had yeah. people asking for dinglings. Yeah. Like, what... <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, who asks for that in a movie? And like, it was like, everybody's smoking cigarettes. They're all wearing jackets inside. It oh. must have been really cold in that saloon. Dude. Because everybody's, everybody's wearing shoulder pad jackets. There is no room for anyone with all those shoulder pads. No. It no. was crazy. Let's talk about Coglin for a second. I'm oh. not sure if this is in the recording, but Coglin has a lot of laws. And his first oh my one, God. he asked Flanagan, what, what are you searching for? Uh-huh. And Flanagan said, something better. Uh, and he says, anything else is always something better. I, and dude, I, I hate him. <laughs> that's, a, that's a law. That's a law. Then, that's a law. Anything else is always something better. We hear more of his laws later on, and you'll hear it on the recordings. But that was his first introduction to Flanagan. And Flanagan says, I'm looking for something better. And he says, Coglin's Law. Anything else is always something better. And then they go into the other montage, the second montage of the movie. And it was the montage of him becoming the best bartender oh my god or saloon tender <laughs> in new york city but it looked like it took him one night like he was like working and a hard cut next time of course it took him one night because they didn't really make a drink if you watch all the scenes <laughs> it's like two pieces of ice making into the cup they two people it makes one drink and the person has to wait 20 minutes for a drink and you you would totally be destroyed in New York if it took you that long to get a drink. I have never been to a bar where so much anything was happening behind the bar other than like pouring of liquor. I've never seen anything like that. It was the best bar scene party ever. And I own a bar. That never happens. 
if you try to have that happen, people do not want to watch you do a thing and not get them to drink within five minutes. People too impatient about that, especially in New York. So, but a hilarious scene. He does this weird joke where he's like, does something with his hand and the, the, the waitresses are like falling all over him all of a sudden. Yeah. That was yeah. definitely improvised. Whatever yeah. Tom Cruise did with the hand, it was a magic trick of sorts. That was improvised. It made no sense. For some reason, it made it into the movie. And then this is when the addicted to love thing happens, right? Love it. Oh, they were DJs God. all of a sudden. They were DJs. So Tom Cruise is not only a master bartender, an unbelievable magician, but he's also a master DJ. And he's able to create a call and response in a Friday's with a huge crowd from Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. Might as well face it. <laughs> this goes into another thing. Think about it. He had just done Top Gun. He had uh -huh. just done that a scene where he's with... Uh, um, uh, you've lost that loving feeling. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. So he did that. You lost that loving feeling. That worked. Yeah. Well, let's put in another movie where yeah. he's doing a sing-along and everybody in the bar... Everybody in the bar is singing along to you might as well face it, you're addicted to love, and they like shut the volume down. They're like, might as well face it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And this goes on, and you're like, best party scene ever. Not sure if it'll ever happen in a bar that is Fridays. But that's leave. the thing. If it's a Fridays, that means that people are waiting for their burgers yes. and whatever else, and people are screaming at the top of their lungs. <laughs> Like, it must be insane. You're in there going like, hey, let's go to Fridays. And then someone's just like, <laughs> just losing their minds. And at the same time, you're never going to get a drink because they're dancing too much and they're throwing ice cubes and flipping bottles and making faces. And then finally someone gets their rum and Coke. Like, it takes that long. Uh, you're never getting anything. Out of hand. Cooper Libras. Dude, I had it was no good. idea what that was. No. So the best part is that there's an agent there or whoever, the guy who owns another club. But but wait a second. Wait a second. Be between all this, he gets into college. Yes. <laughs> Which, he's when? In, he's in college. He's in college while he's doing this. It's amazing. I, he gets into college. He is a master bartender. He has homework. He's drinking while he's doing it, which you're never going to get that done, bro. Yeah, and then there's an agent. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, and then the agent slash bar owner... <laughs> recruits him to another bar this happened people just recruit bartenders <laughs> dude i can't handle it i really can't because when i think back on it multiple times and i think about this film this guy comes in he's like i own one of the hottest saloons yes Come he says on. it again that doesn't happen you're not a basketball player you're not anybody. You're a bartender. In fact, he's probably a bar back because there's no one else. Like, he's never mixed a drink in his life. He's a bar back. Who wears a tie? He wears a tie. Coglin looks have like a, he They have a tie on. Fridays. It's Fridays, bro. He like They have a uniform. All the waitresses are dressed the same. It's just Fridays, man. But this goes back to... You had said this before that yeah. this is kind of where you're introduced to the fact that Coggins actually the pimp. He's recruited his gigolo, oh yeah, which is which is Flanagan, because. Yeah. When you said that, it's true because like Coglin's just been at this saloon 
forever. And now all of a sudden he's getting recruited to go to the hottest saloon in New York after the Flanagan hottest, shows up. Hottest saloon. Hottest saloon. Called Cell Block, which is not a saloon. A saloon is called like Bobby's, a name or something. It's not like Cell Block, you know. It's a club. Yeah, it's a club. that's a club. Saloon, no. When you listen to the rest of this episode, you'll see how Tom Cruise, Brian Flanagan, young man with a lot of dreams, comes to New York with nothing, gets everything ripped away from him, gets recruited by Coglin to be basically a prostitute, Coglin being his pimp. And from here on in, Coglin is just going to continue to put him in his place and remind him, you need me. And when you don't have me, your life is going to be terrible. And he does it over and over again. And Tom Cruise just keeps letting it happen over and over again. This is a part here where we see that happen in Cell Block, right? Yeah, definitely. There's a scene that happens, right? Yeah. Are we talking about that scene now? They go to Cell Block, right? And then they, they go to Cell Block and that's the opening of the poet. Right. The the first, you know, the bougie poet. Yeah. The, oh, the yuppie poet. And then Tom Cruise stands up, you know, because this happens. Yeah, because um, people Tom want Cruise, more yeah. poetry at a at More a poems. Yeah, they want, they want to hear more poets. Um, because uh, that's how packed a poet bar would be um, <laughs> in the 80s. And Tom Cruise just freestyles first and last barman poem, which was phenomenal. Just you have to watch it. I can't even redo it because it was just no, amazing. And then amazing that's where he meets Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon steps in and asks for a multiple orgasm, which is a drink, yeah, by yeah, the way. I don't know where, what is in that drink? It's like, I don't even want to know. Turquoise like, blue. Wait a second. She orders that drink and the making of that drink. First of all, it takes two people to make that drink. It takes, I don't know how many mm -hmm. flips of a bottle. No ice went in that cup. There's nothing even being poured in that glass. There's no liquor in it at all. It also takes a certain song. There's a song. There is 100% a song to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they pour it. And I guess there was liquid in the thing after they finally did all the dancing. And it's good. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, so. <laughs> I mean, good enough that the next scene is that he's sleeping with her and having the most insane softcore porn scene ever. Porn. Dude, let me tell you something. That scene was scary. I, at some point, I thought he was trying to kill her. Um, oh, <laughs> she was fighting for her life. But she says to them, I'm going to put you in Rolling Stone. What bartenders get to be in Rolling Stone? Well, you know, he, he had he, the poem. <laughs> the poem. <laughs> Dude, shut up. Like, <laughs> I knew that poem by heart. Sh oh, I my God. Me and Matt Antonio, actually, listeners don't know who Matt Antonio is, but me and Matt Antonio, <laughs> one of our friends, we actually had this movie on in the background and just said, said each line to each other. It was insane. That's how much I used to watch this movie, bro. So, all right. So, so now he's got this girlfriend, whatever. So it was, there's a couple things he's addicted to. He's obviously addicted to women because he couldn't stop being with her. Like, and how long were they together that all of a sudden she's out of the apartment while they're talking business? Again, time means nothing in this movie. No, no. Nothing. Coglin is betting Tom Cruise's character, Brian Flanagan, like, what, $10 a shot of basketball? Like, oh, I bet you can, you know, we'll do $10 a shot. Yes. He's thinking all of them. So he's down $50, right, to yes. his prostitute to who he's pimping out. Like, I got to get my money back. I got to put this person in their place. So I'm going to make them a bet to get my money back. And Tom Cruise bites and gets screwed. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I'm going to tell you this. Right oh, before okay. they're in the apartment and, the, and they're talking about Jamaica, going to Jamaica, man, jet set bartenders, 
Jamaica, the club med of Jamaica. And the the girl says, "What's her name?" The girlfriend's name is an inanimate object. What's her coral? Coral says, "We'll have we'll have a great time." And he looks at her and says, "Oh, will we?" So Coughlin right there takes that into his brain and is like, "Oh, I could do something with this." Right, so he's losing the bet, and he puts on the bet, and he says, "Double or nothing." Says that she'll be with another man by the end of the week. Right. Right. Yeah. So he he knows he could get his money back because he notices something. But I'm going to tell you what he says. So this is the second Coglin's law comes out after what happens. Mm-hmm. He's at the bar. Things seem a little weird. Mm-hmm. She comes and starts making out with Coglin right in front of Brian. Well, what was that? He punches him, and they're screaming. He's like, I just wanted my money back. And he says, never tell tales about a woman. She'll, she'll hear you a mile away. <laughs> but it makes no sense because he did it to him. Like, it's not like he said the law and allowed it to play out. He's just like, all right, I don't like what's going on. This guy, I need to put this guy back in his place. I'm going to have sex with his girlfriend, and then I'm going to bet it him was, some money. Like, it was a pimp slap. It was a pimp slap. Exactly. That law means nothing because they didn't let it play out. A law, you like, here's some rules. Just try to live by them. And mm-hmm. then you don't make the situation for them to just then get the guy in the ass. That's all he did to him. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so best thing, they fight, they punch, uh, and she goes, you know, oh, too bad you talked about your sex life. It, was, it only got better. And then Gina Gershon's gone, never to be seen yeah. again. But the hardest cut, hardest cut in the movie, the most, you're right, in this movie, time fast forwards and jumps all over the place because we, 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 he leaves the bar, he's walking down the street and then boom, Aruba, Jamaica, who I want to take it. We're like, what? I believe $18 million of the $20 million budget was spent on music. Great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. So yeah. They're in Jamaica. And this is where the actual rom-com starts. 35 minutes into the film. Are we 35 or was it longer? I guess well, it's see, Maybe it's longer. I could say it's almost 40 minutes into the movie or so. That's yeah. when it becomes a rom-com. It turns into a whole other movie now. You're, Actually, it's brighter. It's cleaner. Uh, you're not in New York anymore, so you got the grittiness. Uh, I'm going to bring up like the, the amount of sculptures that got knocked out in this movie. It was one oh, too many. my God. <laughs> but uh, can I just say that like, once Coglin was gone, I was like, okay, now the movie can start. <laughs> yeah. As it actually storyline can unfold here. And this is where like, we meet Elizabeth Shue. The scene starts, he's behind the bar. You now see a uh, happier Brian Flanagan. Making Just kind of taking his time. It's not crazy. It's not as crazy as those bars, TGI of Friday. The you most know, insane bar exactly. on the Upper East Side. And I don't know if you've caught this. Did you see the extra? That was the dad from 90210. Dude, I am so glad you said that because immediately <laughs> I see this thing guy in the background. He what? is in at least three or four scenes looking miserable. Miserable. What, what is he doing there? I, I want to know his background. I want to know his character about was. him. I want what was he doing there? He was there a couple of times. He was there for a while. He, he was always in the bar shot with no lines. No lines. And I was like, yo, is that Brenda? <laughs> Brenda's dad? It's Brenda's dad. It totally was. And I'm sitting there going like, why is he in this movie? Why is he an extra? I don't know. Probably, I've probably seen this movie like 25 times. That was the first time I noticed that was him. That was amazing. I almost lost my mind. Well, right I, there, past the nostalgic test. Because then it makes you think about 9 0 and that's a whole other thing. 
Yeah, so I like, wanted I to like, know his story. I really want there to be a whole movie just about his character. Exactly. <laughs> he the miserable like, guy. He was he just was, by himself. He looked like he was going to lose his mind. Every, like He was just sitting there. It was just ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> he was probably told he needed to go there, and he was probably so miserable because they're like, no, we're not giving you any lines. And because, you know, if he gets lines, he has to get paid more. So there's just like, he was just probably so angry. But, but he needed he to be had, in it. He had to have had ex- acting experience prior to that, like like roles with lines and stuff. Maybe he did have a couple lines, but they snubbed him. <laughs> There's probably some background to that. Or maybe that was one of his first movies. Oh I don't think God. it was, though, because I IMDb'd it, and there was a lot more. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's get into the, the Okay, okay. The, so, here comes the wrong oh, cop. Oh, my God. This book must be 500 pages long. We are introduced to the love interest of the film, Elizabeth Shue, who, I guess, coming off Karate Kid and, like, I think Adventures in Babysitting before this, she was yes. in. And her friend, Dulcie, which... I don't know. Names in this movie are insane. She runs to the bar because her friend has passed out because she was drinking champagne on the beach. Tom Cruise, once again, leaves his post at the bar. There's a lot of like not caring about the bar in this movie about being a bartender. And well, she's uh, just so beautiful. Like you see the scene, the way they lock eyes and they're talking to each other. Like you knew right away, like, oh, this is it. Love at first sight right here. <laughs> yeah, love at first sight, totally. So <laughs> he jumps over in his baggy Hawaiian shirt and he goes to her friend to help her. And he says one of the craziest things, champagne is perfume going in and sewage coming out. What? what is oh, that? yes. Oh, yes. I'm so happy you said that because <laughs> I caught that line. I mean, the movie was all one-liners and all anecdotes. You had the build-up. Oh, my friend needs help. Boom. Now, okay, we need somebody to say an anecdote. You need a line. So we got to give, uh, you know, the new Coglin, which is now Flanagan because he's now, you know, the main guy in the role. He's pimpless. He escaped he's got, his pimp. <laughs> he's got to come up with a line. So his line is, oh, champagne, perfume going in, sewage going out. I'm like, what? Should you not buy champagne? I don't know. That's the meat cute. The next scene is he's at the bar again, right? He's talking to her. And who shows up? Who shows up? Coglin. The best Coglin law came out of this. His pimp tracked him down. Yeah. That's the weird <laughs> thing. That bothered me because I'm like, did he know that he was there? There was no cell phones back then. How do you know that this guy's there? The, the bartending world isn't like a great you know, connection where everybody knows where everybody went. Or no. was that just a coincidence? I don't think it was a coincidence. No way. There's Coughlin, no way. Coughlin obviously tracked him down because he's like, I got to find my, my, my prostitute. <laughs> and this was years later, obviously. At least a was year. Was it, Manny? Yeah. Was it? It was. was it? Okay. I, I mean, you can't <laughs> prove that, but okay. <laughs> so best line, he goes to the, you know, Elizabeth Shue's character and he's, she's like, do you want to see a grown man cry? Hey, bartender, you know how to make a red eye? And he turns around. What? No tearful greeting. And Coglin's law comes out again. And here it is. He oh, says, God. never show surprise, never lose your cool. Okay. <laughs> Great. I <laughs> No, can I just say this? That him saying that law tells us one thing. 
a lot more time transpired between them being friends because we only saw one or two laws being said and Tom yes. pulls another one out of his ass somewhere. That means yes. a lot more time happened between Fridays and cell block. Well, and- dude, they had that scene where they were drunk together. We, we skipped over where they were singing uh, Chantilly Lake. Oh, uh, and he falls down in the subway. He so, yeah, they, those guys had those guys had some some time together. <laughs> Wait a second! Wait a second! <laughs> he didn't just fall down a subway staircase. <laughs> this this guy <laughs> like launched into the subway. Launched. He hit maybe two stairs on the way down. <laughs> yes. So, yes, into the ground. He should have been dead. Yeah. No, it was it was ridiculous. But but yeah. So back to this thing. He tracks him down. Now he's there. Like he's gonna ruin this guy's life. Like why is he there? Why did he need to come and find Brian in Jamaica? No reason. So they kept Elizabeth in this shot. She's got the one-liners where she already hates him. She's like, no such luck, like whatever. So that it's the first time she's meeting this guy. Yeah. She already knows how bad this person is. And then, you know, boom, they're hanging out. They're at that, that little reggae club, which, by the way, has <sighs> another great song. Unbelievable. Wasn't it that Elvis song was, that everyone over, like redid over and over again? Didn't UB40 do a cover of that song at some point? I think so. Yeah. Dude, either way, so now, th- now, like, uh, you know, they're all talking, and then they start dancing, and we're like, "All right, cool. This the is worst, going really fast." The worst dancing of all time. Worst. <laughs> this movie has some of the worst, whitest dancing I have ever seen. But not even that. We skipped over the fact that Coglin is there with his new bride. He's married. Yes. Yes. Pocahontas. Ooh. Dude, I cannot believe that they did that. They called this white blonde woman Pocahontas because the bathing suit she was wearing, which was insane, had frills on the front of it. Like it was what yes. the hell was happening. It was definitely not politically correct, but yeah. And then, it, and but then, like you hear, you know, Coughlin explain, "Oh, he's in love. It's true love with a kicker." So it goes yeah. back to the main theme of the movie: money. Again, here and, we go. And how he only was obsessed with money, and he was using whoever he could to get money. Like a so now he's using his wife. Yeah. Right? So Absolutely. he didn't care. No. Come hither. It was Come hither. Rid- oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the, it was so I, I couldn't believe that these were lines. So, like, you have this whole love story happening between Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue. They're, like, obviously vibing. Whatever. Now they're on the beach, and she's like... Oh, this is going to be a one-night stand. And then, boom, we're into another montage, the love montage. Okay. How many? Was that one day? Was that several days? Bro, that was a lot of days. And what bothers me is that he didn't know what the hell she did. Was she a painter, a hippie person that just lives in Jamaica for that long? Who the hell can stay on vacation that long? It wasn't working. And he didn't ask her, like, hey, what do you do? No, not at all. They hang out with each other. All the time. She takes him down at some point, like a Karate Kid move. I mean, that was impressive. Oh, that was, yeah, in the, on the beach, just like when she was in Karate Kid. That's when it really became a full-on romantic comedy. Like, you know, you had them making out the whole time, and they were just in love, love, love. That's what I mean. Like, it's songs oh that I never God. heard. They're on the beach with the horses. I was like, what? man, he's making good money in Jamaica, but riding horses. All of a sudden, he's not working again. No, all right. What is that? So she's like pretending to be a hippie. He's struggling because he's living in like the boathouse. 
that's where he lives in Jamaica. He lives in this little like shack that has like no doors. It's all open air, which I understand is Jamaica. It's hot, but he doesn't look like he lives in the greatest apartment. He had a fan. That fan is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Then now you go back to the obsession of money because. Wait, can I just say one thing? Yeah. Let me just say one thing. Poor Elizabeth Shue had to take her bathing suit off in this film. Oh, the waterfall? This is what I want to know. Where did those bathing suits go? Because the next scene is them on a beach having sex. Did they go and find them? Because they threw them willy-nilly right into the water. They're gone. They're gone. They're, They're gone. gone. They're gone. They're in the middle of the forest. They're gone. Oh, my First God. First of all, the waterfall, that was a crazy scene. Like, they needed to put that in there. I'm like, there was a lot of making out and kissing in this. And this, this is the first time I actually remember remember that it was really just more of a romantic comedy because of, or just a romantic movie. I don't remember any of these parts. Because I was like, Jesus, this was in here that long? Like, it was a pretty long montage of them together, you know, this before movie, they get into the serious yeah. conversation about yeah. money. Every scene and every act of this movie is ruined by the conversation of money and business because uh-huh. they're sitting down in that, in that little... Um, you know, little bar. And she's like, Oh, we should ride one of those. And he's all obsessed with like that little umbrella. And he's talking about the guy who's makes the umbrella. And then the guy who makes the little plastic goes on the shoe. The flugel binder. Flugel binder. Yeah. And like, you know, he's like, stop feeling sorry for yourself, Flanagan. So that's where she kind of sees that he's obsessed with money, you know, and then they're sitting on the beach and she brings up kids, bugs them out a little bit. Right now we're back at the bar at night. With the best evil guy, the pimp. He is the most evil character in a movie. Yeah. And he calls Tom Cruise an immigrant at some point, which was mm-hmm. really weird. It was, uh, that, that was interesting. So now they're back at the bar, and obviously, Conlon's kind of like calling them out. He sees that Brian's happier than uh-huh. he is, and that he's somewhat successful. Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, let me bring him down a little bit. Another rich woman comes in, older woman, and yep. he lays down a bet. And he says, Coglin Law number four, uh, number three. Oh boy, here we go. No, number four. The hustlers never work, and the workers never hustle, and you, my friend, are a worker. He makes fun of Brian for being good at his job and doing the right thing, because Coglin's a hustler. Everything he, is based on a dare in this movie. Like, yes. that's all this is. It's a double dog dare every time. And Tom Cruise loves to ruin his life for 50 bucks. Yep. <laughs> yep. What was it? Was it 50 bucks? Oh, no, no, no. This one was more. That was for this $500 bottle of, like, something, right? Yes, it was a $500 bottle of uh, brandy or something like that. Yeah, which Louis I've seen Louis XV or something. I've seen that bottle. When I saw it, I was like, holy crap. They have that it's in It's a really Hills. expensive bottle. They put yeah. it on a pedestal in the window, and it's all these lights on it, and that's yeah. what that was like. Oh my god, where are they getting this money? Anyway, yeah. So they make he makes that bet that he can't close the deal with that rich woman. Yep, basically. Here goes the bad part of the movie. It's like, what the hell? And Brian, he's a dick to like fall apart that quickly. Yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. He has a lot of masculinity issues. Like he's like he's got a real problem. Like he's looking for a dad, but he got a pimp, and like he is. Yeah. And he's a child. He's a child. Yeah, but like Elizabeth Shue sees him and she's wearing the same pants as in the last scene, which means possibly even in that montage that all that happened in two days. Two days. <laughs> it happened in two days. Because no. Godwin couldn't have been there that long. No. You know, he was there for his honeymoon. How long are they going to sit there for? Yeah. And then he, after he ruined, after Elizabeth Shue sees Tom Cruise walk off with that weird woman, cut to. 
Oh, by the way, he, uh, Tom, I want to mention, he was using his eyebrow raise a lot. Oh, That's my how God. He, uh, his eyebrow raise was his uh, calling card on that. Absolutely. Then I think cut to Coglin's wife's butt in a G-string, which was like the weirdest cut scene because you cut to them on the boat and it's just like, but what is happening here? Yep. Like the editing in this film was out of hand. Yep. All of a sudden we're on a, on a boat with her and then now he's with the rich girl and Elizabeth disappears. Right. And what was her ne- character's name in that movie? Okay, because we could jump around because a lot of stuff happens, which is like ridiculous, but that's the main thing. Her name is Jordan. Yes. We only find that out probably when there's like 15 minutes left in the movie. Okay. <laughs> never know what her her name is. Her apartment is huge. And so, okay, so Tom Cruise then ends up going home with this Bonnie lady. She's yeah. now pimping him out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he's just a, a boy toy. Yeah, he's a gigolo. She's doing what is I find to be the weirdest style of aerobics on the planet. They had to put that in though, because that was like the during the time of like jazzercise and like VHS videos and stuff like that. So like, okay, boy, all right, now go get me some tomato juice. Like, okay, uh, I just been using you for sex, and you're just gonna follow me around. And then obviously he feels bad, mm-hmm. and he goes and he tries to you know find her Jordan at the diner. That food should have burned him. <laughs> Like that, <laughs> he should have had to got to the hospital after she's poured that food on his head. There was no yeah. reaction shot. But all the guys in '80s movies, I'm coming to realize, are terrible people. They are the worst humans on the planet. Horrible people. Horrible. Everybody was cheering for him. Cheering right? for him. He's stalking her. I think I thought he was homeless at some point, but I forgot he had that apartment because he left that woman's house and he's like, I moved my stuff out this Well, afternoon. no, but before you talk about him moving this that afternoon, when we get to the art show, okay? Ugh, worst so art he show had seen, ever. He had seen Jordan and then he's like, oh, so now you've got another tie-in that, you know, Jordan's an artist. He's at an mm-hmm. art show. Then she's like, oh, hold my coat. And she ignores Brian. He gets drunk calls the guy ugly and throws him into the first sculpture that goes down. First, calls it a cockroach. First sculpture that goes down. She smacks yeah. him because he's yeah. like, you know, I tried to fake it. I tried to make it. I tried to hustle you. And it's just not possible. Money, hungry, obsession. I don't know if you noticed, but the movie marquee in that scene is Casablanca. Is what was that? In the background. I don't know. Now we're back at, you know, he feels bad and he's trying to get her back. He finds out that her parents live in yeah, Park Avenue. But this is when the movie becomes Dirty Dancing because we find out Elizabeth Shue's pregnant. But yeah, go ahead. A couple things happen. You find that out and then he goes with the $500 bottle of, what is it, brandy? Or he goes to find Coglin. Why? Oh. Like, who cares? Why do you need to go there? Don't make good on the bed. Who cares? He right? needs him. But he needed a job, right? Uh, so, again. Guess what? His pimp's going to give him a job. Exactly. The first hello by Coglin's wife is a makeout with Weird. Brian. Weird. Weird. And Weird. another busy place. A busy place. But then, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember any of this stuff from the Not last episode. So, Coglin and him are hanging out on the boat. You find out that Coglin has blown all this money. Right. Yes. There's nothing. Because he just because, doesn't know how to really run a business. No, because he's just a bartender. He's a one-line machine. His Coglin's laws are garbage. Like he told Tom Cruise not to read books, but there's a lot that has to go into like opening a bar. You just don't have like Coglin's laws, right? He gets dead drunk 
and Tom Cruise drives his wife home, uh, Coughlin's wife. And then the music gets really weird because they go into the apartment and I'm like, what is happening? It gets very dark and like a weird uh, scene that's happening like that. This is where I lost my mind because (laughs) he doesn't sleep with her. She says that he's afraid. You're just afraid. I didn't, I was like a, that. that was like a Rocky moment when oh Aiden my God, was like, you can't win. It was one of the worst acted scenes. She was just terrible. One of the most unappealing yeah. people. They cut to the boat where Coglin's on. And you already know something weird is happening because the you music know, itself is like yeah. off. They cut to Coglin in a pool of his own blood. <laughs> like, I lost my mind. I paused the movie. I was like, what? is happening here no longer a romantic comedy it is torture he kills himself in an empty bottle of vodka vodka like he slit his own throat and wrist he kills himself what is happening i i I couldn't handle it this well tom had the best scene when he's like somebody help me help me best face ever that's that's when he got serious so then, yeah, but it got serious for one second because the movie basically ends here. <laughs> and then, like, he gets the letter. This is when, uh, you know, another monologue comes in oh. where you don't have to see Coglin, and it, it's actually all written out. And he has yeah. his last Coglin's law, which was bury the dead, they stink up the place. And for the rest of Coglin's laws, forget them, the man was always full of shit. Great. So you ruined this kid's life. He could have gone to college and done all these things that he wanted to do. And instead, you ruined his life. Elizabeth Shue is pregnant. She now Mm -hmm. has to give up her dreams of being a famous artist. What happens at the end? Tom Cruise gets a loan from his uncle and he opens a bar, Flanagan's Cocktails and Dreams. Yeah, he follows his dream. And then the best part was is like when he does a poem. Oh, God, another great poem. He's He's wearing some weird-ass vest. I don't even know what that thing is, a little metal thing. I don't know what he was wearing. Oh, but anyways, okay. he... Oh, well, we skipped over the fact that he went back to the house. Jordan's dad offered him $10,000. He ripped it up. And then he also yeah. pushed another sculpture on the floor. <laughs> it was a bunch of stuff. But and then you're fast-forwarding now. They're dancing. And he ends it with drinks on the house because he found out that he had twins and the uncle loses his shit. Tom Cruise learns nothing. This movie ends with one of the main characters killing themselves in the most heinous way out of nowhere. And what's supposed to be a romantic drama or romantic comedy drama. Yeah. Manny, I'm exasperated. Let's say let's <laughs> now the question is after reviewing it, do you still feel no. that it was a good movie? Wait, it was a terrible movie. It was a disaster. At the 20-minute mark, I was like, how much more of this movie is left? This movie's only an hour and 47 minutes or something. It felt like a, a three-hour movie. I can tell you that I will always watch this movie. It passes my nostalgia-only test, but I would never tell anyone else to watch it. If I did, they'd have to be a Tom Cruise fan who just didn't see the movie, which exactly. if you're a Tom Cruise fan, if you're a Tom Cruise fan, you should have seen this movie. I would preface it at this. It is a... C minus movie that for some reason I just love. It's so 80s, it's good. It is 80s to the core. If it wasn't for Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue, it, this movie would have been terrible. I mean, it's terrible already. It's terrible. He carries this movie on his back with his charm to the finish line. Yeah. But you're right. I would never recommend this movie to anybody. I no. will only watch it with you. 
or anyone who has ever seen it before. <laughs> I'm not watching it with someone who has never seen it ever. I would never do that to somebody because I'd be like, dude, the movie's not that good. But there are worse movies out there that people watch. So sure. I don't know. Let's let's wrap it up. Yeah. Do you think it passes the test? Uh, no, it doesn't. Because I will nope. only watch this with you or ironically. And if I'm only watching it like that, it doesn't pass the test. Because I would never say to someone, hey, did you ever see Cocktail? That movie's awesome. You really need to see that movie. It is not a good representation of anything. This should have been a straight to TV movie. This is a movie you make a drinking game out of. I agree. It's only good because of nostalgia. It's good because of every time I've watched it, the laughs that I've had with people because of how bad it is. No, if that movie no. came back out, it came out now, and well, even with new people, Nobody would go watch that movie. No one should that reboot movie, this film. This movie cannot be rebooted. But can I just blow your mind for a second? How much money do you think this movie made? Well, it was with Tom Cruise, right? So this movie cost $20 million in 1988. That's a lot of money for 1988. It Wait, made... to make this movie? The yeah. budget was 20 Well, they did go to Jamaica. Maybe. This movie made $171.5 million worldwide. Wow. This movie was a hit. This movie was a hit. At yeah, because he was in it. Because he did Top Gun was, before this. That's right. So they sold it on the fact that, you know, it was him. Yeah. This movie was trash. I will not recommend this movie. It is remaining in a nostalgia vault. It is staying there and it will only come out <laughs> when it is appropriate to play a drinking game uh, with this movie. That's, that, that is all I have to say about Cocktail. Uh, Manny, any final words you have? I'm going to say that I still love the movie. Uh, <laughs> I love that it's trash, but it's my trash. To me, it's a great movie because it makes me think of so many different things, like I said uh -huh. before. And it definitely passes the nostalgia test part of it, but it does yeah. not pass the test of recommending to anybody right now. Like, no. it, it wouldn't be good if it came out now. So no, no. It, is, it does not get past nostalgia at all. It is just nostalgia. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the first episode of the Nostalgia Test podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed this and that uh, we'd love to hear your opinions on cocktail. You know, let us know. I want to know what everybody's favorite Coughlin's Law was. Oh, my God. Yes, please. Tell us what your favorite Coughlin's Law is. Yes. You and could... if, if we want to go over what they are here, <laughs> one second. Oh, my God. I, I have them. There is... Anything else is always something better. Never tell tales about a woman, she'll hear you a mile away. Never show surprise, never lose your cool. Hustlers never work, and the workers never hustle. And then the last one is, bury the dead, they stink up the place. Yeah, bury this movie, because it's stinking up the place. <laughs> Join us next time for another amazing nostalgia test. Thank you. All right, good. Let me stop the recording. That's Coughlin's second law, Dan. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to the Nostalgia Test podcast to know when new episodes drop. Don't forget to leave us five stars and a positive review so more people can find the podcast. Share your thoughts and memories on today's topic on our Twitter, at Nostalgia Test, and on Instagram, at The Nostalgia Test. Tune in next time because you never know what pop culture will pop up on The Nostalgia Test.